Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As part of our inspiring TED Talk series, spotlighting can't-miss TED Talks and their key takeaways, today I explore Rosalind Torres' famous 2014 TED Talk, What It Takes to Be a Great Leader. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In our inspiring TED Talks episode today, I'll be exploring Rosalind Torres's famous 2014 TED Talk, What It Takes to Be a Great Leader. The world is full of leadership programs, but the best way to learn how to lead might be right under your nose. In this clear, candid talk, Rosalind Torres describes 25 years observing truly great leaders at work and shares the three simple but crucial questions would-be company chiefs need to ask to thrive in the future. I look forward to catching you on the flip side of this first clip. makes a great leader today? Many of us carry this image of this all-knowing superhero who stands and commands and protects his followers. But that's kind of an image from another time. And what's also outdated are the leadership development programs that are based on success models for a world that was not a world that is or that is coming. We conducted a study of 4,000 companies, and we asked them, let's see the effectiveness of your leadership development programs. 58% of the companies cited significant talent gaps for critical leadership roles. That means that despite corporate training programs, off-sites, assessments, coaching, all of these things, more than half of the companies had failed to grow enough great leaders. You may be asking yourself, is my company helping me to prepare to be a great 21st century leader? The odds are probably not. Now, I've spent 25 years of my professional life observing what makes great leaders. I've worked inside Fortune 500 companies, I've advised over 200 CEOs, and I've cultivated more leadership pipelines than you can imagine. But a few years ago, I noticed a disturbing trend in leadership preparation. I noticed that despite all the efforts, there were familiar stories that kept preserving about individuals. One story 
was about Chris, a high-potential superstar leader who moves to a new unit and fails, destroying unrecoverable value. And then there were stories like Sydney, the CEO, who's so frustrated because her company is cited as best company for leaders, but only one of the top 50 leaders is equipped to lead their crucial initiatives. And then there were stories like the senior leadership team of a once thriving business that, surprised by a market shift, finds itself having to force the company to reduce its size in half or go out of business. Now, these recurring stories cause me to ask two questions. Why are the leadership gaps widening when there's so much more investment in leadership development? And what are the great leaders doing distinctly different to thrive and grow? Those are both great questions, and we would do well to really contemplate on those and, and try to think both from our own experience, what we've seen in terms of effective leadership and ineffective leadership or even toxic leadership, but also by looking to history and looking to uh, those transformational leaders, those highly impactful leaders that have come before us and what they have done differently. Sometimes we can see examples in our very own organization where you can just see someone who sets themselves apart as an innovative leader, someone who's able to see what's coming and just has a different perspective, a different way of, of looking at things and therefore a different way of tackling issues and challenges. And I really like the way she opens up her TED Talk. From the very beginning, she starts to allude to these stories of different leaders who, who had all the potential in the world, but for whatever reason, they didn't end up uh, bearing out. They, they didn't uh, live up to that potential. And what is the reason for that? Companies spend so much money, especially large corporations, they spend so much money on leadership development programs. I've been a part of some of these in the past myself at different um, organizations. And my experience personally has been, uh, as, as one going through one of these programs, uh, my, my experience has been that I saw a huge disconnect uh, going through the program and seeing how they were focusing our time and energy versus the realities of what it will take to actually lead effectively. And also as a practitioner who has helped to run these types of programs. I've helped in my various um, internal and external consultancy roles. I've, at times uh, throughout the years, I've helped put on leadership development programs, sometimes uh, uh, getaways and retreats, uh, sometimes uh, workshops or, or smaller scale types of initiatives. But I've helped to do that myself. And I've seen from the, the practitioner side of designing what I think will be a really great program, but also seeing the mismatch between the design versus the implementation and the commitment from the organization to actually take the baton and see it through so that it, it can have the types of outcomes that you're really desiring. Basically, there's disconnect all the way around. Uh, a lot of organizations simply aren't defining correctly what is needed, and therefore they're developing programs where there's a huge gap between what they're preparing people to do versus what they actually need people to do. Other places will bring in consultants who have the expertise to be able to do that effectively, but then there's not a real clean commitment or handoff uh, in terms of making sure that implementation 
uh, is sustainable and that you can actually have the outcomes that you're looking for. Uh, and there and there's other issues that can come up as well. But the bottom line is throwing money at the problem isn't enough. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that we shouldn't fund leadership development programs. That's not the point. I, I do believe that that having a strategic approach and targeting uh, a certain amount of dollars towards investing back into your people to develop them, that's vital. That's super important. I'm a, f- a strong believer in that. But we have to do it in a way that makes sense. And and what she cites from her example, 68% find a gap. So they're not doing it effectively. Uh, and clearly there's a mismatch. We can do much, much better. And so she is going to propose uh, several questions that we can ask ourselves to to really consider where we're at in our own personal leadership development, but also where our organizations are at in their organizational development efforts. One of the things that I did, as I was so consumed by these questions and also frustrated by those stories that I left my job so that I could study this full time. And I took a year to travel to different parts of the world to learn about effective and ineffective leadership practices in companies, countries, and nonprofit organizations. And so I did things like uh, travel to South Africa, where I had an opportunity to understand how Nelson Mandela was ahead of his time in anticipating and navigating his political, social, and economic context. I also met a number of nonprofit leaders who, despite very limited financial resources, were making a huge impact in the world, often bringing together seeming adversaries. And I spent countless hours in presidential libraries trying to understand how the environment had shaped the leaders, the moves that they made, and then the impact of those moves beyond their tenure. And then when I returned to work full-time in this role, I joined with wonderful colleagues who were also interested in these questions. Now, from all this, I distilled the characteristics of leaders who are thriving and what they do differently, and then I also distilled the preparation practices that enable people to grow to their potential. I want to share some of this with you now. You're in for a treat as you get the opportunity to listen to her as she shares her learnings, her experiences from her world travels, and really examining the characteristics of the great leaders uh, throughout history, uh, particularly in recent times, and then applying it to really our current world and how leaders today need to be equipped in ways that leaders in the past perhaps didn't need to be. Uh, It's a different thing to be an effective leader now than, than it was before. And so we need to think differently and we need to prepare differently. So she's going to lay out some of those questions that we should be asking ourselves as we think about what to do moving forward to prepare leaders of tomorrow. In a 21st century world, which is more global, digitally enabled and transparent, with faster speeds of information flow and innovation, and where nothing big gets done without some kind of a complex matrix, relying on traditional development practices will stunt your growth as a leader. In fact, traditional assessments like narrow 360 surveys or outdated performance criteria will give you false positives 
lulling to into thinking that you are more prepared than you really are. Leadership in the 21st century is defined and evidenced by three questions. Where are you looking to anticipate the next change to your business model or your life? The answer to this question is on your calendar. Who are you spending time with? On what topics? Where are you traveling? What are you reading? And then how are you distilling this into understanding potential discontinuities? And then making a decision to do something right now so that you're prepared and ready. There's a leadership team that does a practice where they bring together each member collecting, here are trends that impact me, here are trends that impact another team member, and they share these and then make decisions to course correct a strategy or to anticipate a new move. Great leaders are not head down, they see around corners, shaping their future, not just reacting to it. Amen. This point is so, so essential. We're being proactive, not reactive. We're looking around corners. We're not putting our head down, just plowing forward. Great leaders are able to ask themselves the question about what they're doing right now to be able to look forward towards change and what they're doing to prepare for that change because change will be inevitable. It is coming and particularly in this day and age, in the 21st century, in a globalized world, interconnected, uh, technologically driven world, massive uh, technological disruptions, uh, there's just so much happening right now uh, that is uh, unique and driving change uh, throughout the globe and throughout uh, the business world and organizations if they're going to be able to pivot and adapt their strategies and maintain competitive advantage, they need to be able to have leaders that can anticipate some of this. Now, nobody has a crystal ball. Of course, you, you don't know for sure what's going to be coming, but, but what she's describing is a mindset. It's a mindset, not just towards growth and continual learning and development, though it certainly includes that, but it's a mindset uh, of just overall curiosity, uh, overall um, uh, pushing the boundaries not being complacent, not feeling comfortable, and not not allowing ourselves to just fall into the trap of just continuing to do what we've always done because that's what's worked for us in the past. Because what's worked in the past isn't necessarily going to work for us in the future. And so we have to constantly be pushing and looking for that change and then leading by example for our teams who also may not have a particularly strong capability around a future orientation or a curiosity orientation. So we can model that for them and we can help everyone on our team uh, to drive forward towards innovation. The second question is, what is the diversity measure of your personal and professional stakeholder network? You know, we hear often about good old boy networks and you know, they're certainly alive and well, many institutions, but to some extent, we all have a network of people that we're comfortable with so this question is about your capacity to develop relationships with people that are very different than you. And those differences can be biological, 
physical, functional, political, cultural, socioeconomic. And yet, despite all these differences, they connect with you and they trust you enough to cooperate with you in achieving a shared goal. Great leaders understand that having a more diverse network is a source of pattern identification at greater levels and also of solutions because you have people that are thinking differently than you are. We know how important diversity is within organizations. So this isn't a surprise, but we need to constantly be asking ourselves about how diversified our personal networks are. How diverse are our teams? Are they diverse enough? And we're not just talking about gender diversity, racial, ethnic diversity. We're talking about all types of diversity. And we tend to associate with people like us, whether that's on our team at work, uh, the, the, in terms of the hiring decisions that we make, and in terms of the decisions about putting together committees and, and task forces and teams, um, but also just our, our extended professional network. We tend to, to have networks that largely reflect us unless we are actively, unless we're proactively trying to create a diverse network and then leverage that diverse network to enhance our understanding and to open the aperture of our, of our awareness of the world around us. Without doing that, we're going to inevitably fall into the same traps again and again and again where, where we're just doing what we know. We, we're doing what makes sense to us, but we're completely oblivious to our blind spots. We don't know what we don't know, and so we, it's impossible to see around corners when we can't even see what's right there in front of us. Uh, and having diverse teams with us and really pushing the boundaries of our diverse teams and extending our networks will only help us to be more cognizant of these changing patterns in an ever-changing world. The third question, are you courageous enough to abandon a practice that has made you successful in the past. There's an expression, go along to get along. But if you follow this advice, chances are, as a leader, you're going to keep doing what's familiar and comfortable. Great leaders dare to be different. They don't just talk about risk-taking, they actually do it. And one of the leaders shared with me the fact that the most impactful development comes when you were able to build the emotional stamina to withstand people telling you that your new idea is naive or reckless or just plain stupid. Now, interestingly, the people that will join you are not in your usual suspects in your network. They're often people that think differently and therefore are willing to join you in taking a courageous leap. And it's a leap, not a step. This comes back to the idea of just being willing to disrupt the status quo. And just because something has served you well in the past doesn't mean it's necessarily going to serve you well in the future. And organizations as a whole fall victim to this constantly. Because for whatever reason, they establish certain policies, practices, and procedures, norms uh, that, that fit with a particular time, and then they get institutionalized and embedded. And then years down the road, nobody can quite remember why it's done that way, but they just know that it is done that way, and nobody thinks to question it, even though that 
process, that procedure, whatever it may be, is actually hindering progress and, and making it harder for the organization to pivot and to be, uh, to, to be effective in how they're dealing uh, with changes in the world around them. This is an all too common problem and pretty much every organization faces it because organizations are built to maintain this to maintain the status quo. So leaders have to proactively seek to disrupt. And that causes problems oftentimes because people don't like change. And because when you're disrupting, sometimes you can be perceived as not a team player. You can be perceived as being difficult or being on your high horse or you know whatever metaphor you might want to use. Uh, in, in reality, it's that courageous, loyal dissent within an organization that is the true mark of a great leader and someone who's truly committed and passionate about helping the organization to be its best self, its best, its best version of itself. That's what we need. And unfortunately, many organizations simply reinforce this notion of going with the status quo, maintaining uh, the normal rather than allowing for disruption. More than traditional leadership programs, answering these three questions will determine your effectiveness as a 21st century leader. So what makes a great leader in the 21st century? I've met many, and they stand out. They are women and men who are preparing themselves, not for the comfortable predictability of yesterday, but also for the realities of today and all of those unknown possibilities of tomorrow. Thank you. And we really should frame it as unknown possibilities. They're not threats, they're possibilities. The world is changing. It's inevitable, and we need leaders who are ready and willing to tackle the new things that come at them and to see them as opportunities, as stepping stones, and really proactively seek to move their team into the future. I love these three questions. I love all of the insights that she shares in this TED Talk and the reminder that that leadership development programs in and of themselves, if they're not matched clearly to the organization's needs and the actual skills gaps that might exist within the organization's leadership pipeline, then they're not going to be effective. So if we couple some critical self-reflection with putting our dollars and investing in people in a way that makes sense, then we can have the best of both worlds and we can help prepare our organizations to be the organizations of tomorrow by preparing the leaders of tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's been a pleasure being with you again today. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning at purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, 
leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.